Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to give thanks to God for tonight for the privileges given to us to gather in his presence and to commemorate this great event which is the heart of Christianity itself. Without crucifixion and resurrection, there is no Christianity. The reason we can stand before the Father today boldly is because of the resurrection. Resurrection itself defines Christianity. And I believe the Lord has brought us together for such a time like this. For us to remind each other and to observe the truth about his resurrection. But I believe that God has a word for us tonight. As we came into this place, I perceive strongly in my spirit that God wants to do something through the cross over the foundation of our lives. Very strongly in my spirit. And I know we're going to see the Lord moving sovereignly in our midst today. Hallelujah. We're going to be taking some prayers after tonight's program. And I want us to prepare our hearts that the Lord is going to bless us very strongly tonight. Praise God. Can we bow down our heads to pray? Jesus, you gave us your name. Through whom every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that you are Lord. To the glory of the Father. Tonight is another night you've gathered us together. We're not here for social club. We're here to meet with the almighty God. The creator of the hands of the earth. You left the portals of glory and you went straight to the cross and it was not a game of convenience. It was a determinate counsel before the foundation of the world. Tonight, we ask that you will move in our midst. Father, you will break the bread of life. That the power of God will be made manifest in our midst tonight. Lord, we've called upon you for this meeting. We've called upon you. We've trusted you that you will move in the midst of your people. Lord, we hold it out to you. We have nothing of ourselves but you. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would do the impossible tonight. The Father, you will create rivers in the desert tonight. Make a way where there seems to be no way. Let the power of your word be released in our midst. Lord, I pray for divine understanding. And I pray for revelation knowledge tonight. Lord, we break through the walls of hindrance. We break through the walls of obstruction. We release the power of God for a change tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And amen. And amen. Tonight, we just want to give thanks to God for giving us the privilege to come over to share on the essence, the reason, the very purpose why Jesus came. I believe that we're living in a time when there is a confusion. There is a complete distortion in many cycles of the reason why Jesus came. In many cycles, Jesus has been referred to as one of the has been referred to as one of the prophets. He was not. Jesus was not a prophet. Jesus was God incarnate who came in the flesh to bring forth the purpose of the Father. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. In other words, it's the incarnate word that we saw when Jesus walked in Jerusalem and in Galilee. The word became flesh and 
dwelt among us. The Bible said we beheld his glory. The glory of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, the embodiment of Jesus was a reflection of the grace that the Father intends to disseminate. Without Jesus, there will be no grace. Without Jesus, there will be no truth. The Bible says Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So truth is not known. Truth does not exist without Jesus. Now it is very important tonight for us as a people to examine the word of God. And look at the essence and the reason for this appearance and for his death and resurrection. I believe that man, all of us were made in the image and in the likeness of God. God's intent for making man was for God to create governors on the earth. Those that will rule on the earth as he rules and reigns in heaven. That's God's intent. And God made man in his own image. He made man with the spirit of dominion. He made man with the grace to coordinate. That was why when Adam was naming all the animals, there was no, there was, there was no instruction from anywhere. It was an instinctive thing for Adam to name all the animals. He was made in the, in the image of Elohim. So part of the characteristics of God was manifesting in Adam. He named all the animals without missing word. None was caught twice. What a God we serve. And that was such grace that came upon Adam. The same grace God intended to come upon every man. But something happened. That was a treason. Man disobeyed God. Man walked in, the, in disobedience. Adam fell from the throne of dominion that God has given to him. And so the capacity to be God's representative on earth was lost. And every attempt, we saw all over the scriptures that God has given several opportunities for man. But you see, God himself knew there would be no way of redemption except the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world, came to the earth. We saw that even among the Jews, there were several efforts that were made to appease the living God. That's why we say over and over again, every effort made by man to please God is not of grace. It is a man's effort. It is work. And it will not suffice. It will not work. That is why many religions today, they have to do things to make sure that they please God. And God's acceptance will not come that way. Because God made man, he gave everything to man that he would need to worship him. So every effort that man will make to appease God will never work. So we saw that the temporary arrangement that were made, even if it was done among the Israelites, they would sacrifice and they would bring all they would bring things to the altar to sacrifice, and blood of animals were being shed day after day to appease and to please God and to cover the sin of the people. But we understand from the knowledge of the scripture that all that were done by the blood of the animal was only to cover the sin of the people for a period of time. The high priest only walks into the holiest of all once a year to sacrifice for the people. And after the sacrifice, at the seventh day, sorry, at the tenth day of the seventh month, the high priest walks into the holiest of all and makes sacrifice on, this, on, this, on behalf of the people. And after that, another one year, the high priest comes again. And make sacrifice. That is why the atonement in the Old Testament means to cover the sin of the people. So after a few are the sin become uncovered again. So there was a need for a permanent cleansing. And that will not happen because in the realm of the spirit there are laws. There are laws in the realm of the spirit. Laws cannot be violated as we know even in the natural when we violate laws there is a consequence for violating laws. In the realm of the spirit, there is what we call the law of life. It has to be life for life. So, because Adam fell and he was dead, it was necessary for the death of another for him to be atoned for. 
And the blood of animals was not strong enough. Reading the, through the book of Hebrews, the Bible speaks of the blood of animals and the blood of bulls that were brought to the altar, but they would not suffice. They were not sufficient. So I believe that something happened about 2,000 years ago. It was the beginning. It was the introduction. It was the time that the curtain was pulled over. It was the hand of darkness. It was the hand of the reign of darkness. It was the hand of the reign of the evil one upon the earth. God determined in his, in his own counsel that the time is up. It is time for the redemption of man. It is time for Jesus to appear and for him to serve as a redemptive gift for man. Reading through the scriptures, this is what we found out. That in the scriptures, we understand that the bath, the ministry, and the death of Jesus was not an accident. Hallelujah. The bath, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus was not what? An accident. There were prophecies that had been given before. To confirm and to reveal the plan, the original plan of God ahead of time. And so, reading through the scripture in Genesis chapter 3, we understand when Adam fell and the wife also fell, we remember that there was a word from heaven. God speaking to Adam and Eve and said that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. So there was, there was a pre-plan, a pre a preparation from Etana that God was going to send the seed of the woman to bruise the head of the serpent. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that was fulfilled. The redemptive plan of God became a reality. We also saw a symbol of this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Jesus was called the seed of Abraham. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, when the genealogy of Jesus was being traced, he was called the son of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17 verse 19, Jesus was called the seed of Isaac. Because the seed of Isaac was supposed to provide the redemption. And Luke chapter 3 verse 34, he was traced to be one of the sons of Isaac. In Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, the Bible says that... We all remember this scripture. The Bible says, until Shiloh comes. It says, the rod of authority, the scepter shall not depart from where? From Judah. Until Shiloh comes. Shiloh speaks of Jesus. Until Shiloh comes. And we Shiloh. Shiloh is Jesus. And we saw that being fulfilled. In the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. The Bible says, it will be born in Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 3, verse 33, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, And this child shall be born of a virgin. Hallelujah. Jesus will be born of a virgin. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 24, that became fulfilled. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, the scripture says it will be taken to Egypt as a rescue, as a temporary rescue for him. And also in Matthew chapter 2 verse 15, we remember that when Herod rose up and said every child from the age of two down will be killed because it was to destroy the king of the Jews that was born to take his place. Jesus, Joseph was, saw a vision in the night, saw a dream. And it was one of the angels to take the child Jesus, take him to, to Egypt. And Jesus was taken to Egypt. In Psalm 78 verse 2, it was said that he was speaking parables. In Matthew chapter 13, from 34, we saw Jesus and all over the book of Luke speaking in parables. In Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2, it was said that Jesus will heal the broken hearted. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, that became fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, the Bible says it will be rejected of man. 
the man of sin. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 11, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, authority, to become the children of God. And to those who believe in his name. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. The prophet of God said, when he will be crucified, when he will be arrested, he will be silent before his accusers. In fact, the scripture went further. It says, as a lamp is brought before his sharer and opened not his mouth. Jesus did not open his mouth. So in Mark chapter 15 verse 5, that became fulfilled. In Psalm 22, we saw the psalmist writing, saying that he will be forsaken of his father. My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? And in Matthew chapter 27 from verse 26, Jesus cried out to the father, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9, Isaiah saw by prophecy, we understand how prophets saw in the Old Testament. Most of the prophets saw, they saw the future as if they were seeing the now. Most of the prophets saw as if you have poles that are standing with each other. And you could see that the events were so close to each other. When you're standing between two poles, you're looking at them. They look close, but when you look from the another inside, you see the distance. Many of the prophets did not know the years in between. So many of them prophesied as if it was going to happen the following year. So Isaiah saw that it would be laid in the tomb. And in Matthew 27, verse 60, Jesus was laid in the tomb of Joseph Amaramatia. We remember him? And that was all that was seen. I'm about to say something, and I want us to pay attention to this. That was what was seen most of the time, for the most part, by most of the, you know, most of the Old Testament prophets. They saw Jesus born. They saw him spoke in parables. They saw him born in Bethlehem. They saw him taken to Egypt. They saw him rejected of men. They saw him being silent before excuses. Not very many of them saw him rising again after the third day. No wonder this knowledge was also hidden, even from the devil. First Corinthians chapter 2, I want to read. First Corinthians chapter 2. Glory to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 7. Paul the apostle spoke to the church at Corinth and he said, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our, for our own glory. Verse 8, it says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they known. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> the Bible says here, even the rulers of the world did not know. If they have known, what is it that they could have known? If they have known that indeed John chapter 12 verse 24 will be fulfilled. Except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. And then it will germinate again and bring forth fruits. The rulers of this world did not know that the secret of God was hidden in the death of Jesus. The secret of God was not hidden in his existence. It was not hidden in healing the sick. It was not hidden in raising the dead. It was not hidden in all that we saw. It was hidden in his death. Because through his death, he will raise many sons unto glory. The life and the ministry of Jesus did not touch me directly. Because I wasn't in Jerusalem. My father wasn't in Jerusalem. My uncle wasn't in Jerusalem. I'm sure none of us is related to blind Bartimaeus. So none of those touched us directly. But there was something that the rulers of this world did not know. I am very particular that if they had known. Because I believe that the devil would have hindered Jesus from being crucified. Because that would have limited the influence of the divine. For allowing Jesus to be crucified, extended, and made unstoppable the divine plan of God. What an unstoppable plan God has. But you see, the plan, the unstoppable plan of God was hidden in death. 
That is why today I want to say this to us. When God brings death to certain parts of our lives, when I say death, I mean when God begins to deal with certain parts of our lives, there is something that God is about to bring. Because in the resurrection of that death, the glory of God is going to break forth through it. There are certain opportunities in our lives we've been denied. There are certain things in our lives we cannot imagine that we're going through them. But God is saying, I love Joseph. Joseph said when the people were, when his brothers were begging him and said, we're sorry that we sold you to slavery. He said, don't worry. You thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. Paul the apostle, while he was writing to the Romans and he looked at the people, he was incarcerated himself. He said, I know one thing that I need all of you to know. I know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who have in what? According to his divine purpose. So we understand that death itself is not the end. There is a glory that proceeds from death. And Jesus proved that to us. Let me quickly jump before I close up on this. I'm going to leave that section. I'm, I'm holding it from us. I'm keeping us in suspense of what I'm about to say. But I want us to take a look at the, the book we read, Matthew. The Bible tells us here that a few lessons we need to learn on this day that we're celebrating and commemorating the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The Bible says that Mary, Magdalene, and all the Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. But before then, they came from Matthew, from Mark, Luke's account, and John's account. All these women came together. They came with spices to anoint Jesus for his, you know, after his burial. We understand this as part of the Jewish tradition to anoint and to bring spices to, to, a, to a dead body. That was part of their tradition, particularly a man of such class as Jesus. But you know what I noticed? Jesus did not wait for the spices of the women. Now I'm about to bring something here. And I mentioned it last week. And I, for many of us who missed that, I want us to see this today. Jesus had already been anointed for his death. But a woman who was not known to all. Her name many times was confused in many of the Gospels. The Bible said she came in where the disciples were dining with Jesus and she walked in straight to where Jesus was, sat on his feet and began to, and broke the alabaster box and began to anoint his feet, anoint his head and began to clean Jesus' feet with her hair. And the disciples said, why are you wasting this money? Don't you know how costly this fragrance is? Jesus rebuked them. Why do you think so much of the poor? For the poor you will always have among you. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus knew. There is something that is hidden from all of them. They were thinking, well, Jesus knew this woman was walking in prophecy. There was something that needed to be done, and she did it. Let me, let me sound a note of warning to us today. Every opportunity that God gives to us to serve, let's do it. The Bible says, whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your mind. Listen, we've got only one life to live. One life. Nobody is coming here to relive this life. We have every day to account before God. I want to make sure that my life counts for God. Regardless of what people see or what they don't see, I want us to pay attention to that. She anointed Jesus ever before he was crucified. And the second verse says there was an earthquake. Do you know within the space of three days there were two earthquakes? In that land. I mean, I must have thought about that. That the very first time it was on the cross, it became dark. Darkness covered the entire land. In the space of three days, there was an earthquake. Telling us something. God is in control of nature. He orders things the way he wants. He announces himself when he comes. The Bible says there was an earthquake. And the, the really interesting part of it was that the Bible says, and the angel came. One angel came from heaven. Roll away the stone. And the Bible speaks of the guards. They were like dead men. How would they not be? How would they not be? The Bible said they were terrified. And they, were, they kept quiet. I'm not sure how they were. Some of the records that we read from the theologians said that they were actually unconscious <laughs> by the things they saw. That some of them were totally mesmerized. They have never seen an angel before. One came with the glory and the majesty of heaven. And I'm sure the angel just blew to the, to the stone and the stone just walked away. Don't forget that the reason why they placed the stone there was for 
them to prove that Jesus will not rise. That we will see, we will roll away the stone. So they put the stone there and put the soldiers there. I love the account here in the book of Matthew. The account says that the soldiers were told by the people, by the, you know, by, by the chief, and they said, listen, tell when you go, tell everybody that Jesus did not rise. Tell them that Jesus was taken away by his disciples. And make sure that you also inform the governor that you were sleeping when Jesus was taken out of the grave. And they also informed them, don't worry, we will persuade the governor. There will be no problem. They will not, they will not fire you. You remain, you maintain your position because actually it was a nature, nature's call for you to sleep. The question I have here is this. Were they dumps? These armies, they were not just one. How is it possible that a host or a platoon of soldiers will be on guard over a place and all of them were asleep? Dead sleep throughout the process of bringing Jesus out of the grave. Now, if that happened, I agree. The question that I have here is this. It's going to be a very funny story, but it's the truth. If Jesus was taken out and they were sleeping, how did they know who took him? <laughs> when they said, oh, we saw it was the disciples who took him. How did you know? You were sleeping, right? How did you know it was the disciples who came? Baloney, they said here, impossible. If it was true that the disciples came to get him, the disciples who were weak and wimpy who were running away, it's the same disciples who came and took Jesus. I have the third question. Where did they put him? In the entire land of Israel, where did they hide Jesus? I hope we understand today, even from the, archaeologists, uh, the archaeological discoveries, no one has ever found a trace of Jesus' body, either his bone or the leftover, anywhere. Amen. Anywhere. Anywhere. From the archaeological discoveries, they saw the tomb. They cannot find a trace of him. He was gone on the third day. The scripture says, for he is not here. He is risen, as he has said. Tonight I have a word for us today. God has spoken in your heart. The Bible says he has risen as he has said. I don't know what God has said to you in your life. I don't know what he has spoken at some point to you. I want us to stand in this place tonight and believe God. That the God who has spoken is the same God who will bring it to pass. Regardless of the circumstances that we face in life. How many times that we look at the circumstance and the situation, and the situation becomes more important than what God has said. I want to announce to us tonight that the word of God is more significant than every experience or any experience that we have ever had, that we will ever have. The Bible tells us he is risen as he has said. So where are the soldiers? Proclaiming what they did not know. But God is faithful. So Jesus, the Bible says here, for he's not here. His reason. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now, this is enough evidence for anyone to know. In fact, from all the records of Mark, of John, it was said that the way the, the, the cloth that was used to wrap Jesus was laid, it was actually like something escaped from inside there. Jesus' body escaped from the wrap because the only thing that was, that was folded was the wrap on his head. It, that one was well folded for everybody to know. Look, I didn't rush out of here. I took my time to get out of here. He folded it and put it in the right place. When your soldiers come, let them find this there. Jesus escaped out of the body. What a glorious God we serve. What a glorious God we serve. Now tonight, I want us to have this assurance in our heart because I'm going to share with us what are the implications of the resurrection to us as a people. What does it mean to us? It's very critical for us to understand why did Jesus rise? What is the direct implication of my life as a believer? Let's take a look at a few scriptures. Number one, why did Jesus rise? What is the implication of my life? Hallelujah to Jesus forever. The book of Hebrews chapter 4. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 tells us from verse 15 the scripture says it says for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. 
but was in all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Uh, many of us have read that scripture. I wonder if we have ever paid attention to what the Lord is saying there. He said, we have not an high priest. <laughs> we have not an high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus understood what we are going through. He still understands it today. Jesus went through the same experience that many of us will go through today. You know why? So that he can have a feeling. He can understand what we go through. Because many of the times when people go through difficult times, when we are trying to talk to them, you know, we understand. You know, the Lord, which we do not understand if we don't go through the same experience. This is a proof to us. One of the ways to understand is to go through the same experience. If we have not failed an exam before, when somebody fails, you cannot appeal to them. That's why many geniuses cannot be good counselors. Because they never failed. So when God does not allow us to be geniuses, sometimes it's because he has something to tell us. It's because he wants to make our life a reflection for others to see. Look, if I'm going to make it, go look at that man. He's faced several times and he's making it today. You can make it too. That's one of the reasons why Abraham Lincoln remains one of the, you know, one of the major men in this nation. It was because of his story. He failed in almost everything he did. Everything. And the last time he picked up on the contention to become the president of the United States, he won. He won when it was necessary. Many times we have lost at some point in our lives. Don't worry when you're losing. When it matters most, God will cause you to win. Did we hear what I just said? You may have been losing at some point in your life. Don't worry about losing. The truth about the matter is you will win when it matters most. The problem that a lot of people have is that they win when it is not necessary. And when it matters most, they lose. And that's why even in the beauty of games, a lot of people will do well when they get to the end of it. They lose. When it matters most. And God is saying, you will win when it matters most. Jesus won when it mattered most. Many times, the people came and the describes, they, they arrested him, they said so many things, they spat on him. He did not say a word because he was waiting for the right time. He knew at the right time, he will win when it matters most. And you know what he has done for us? He's given us the same grace. Hallelujah. So Jesus understood what we go through. And understands it today. The Bible says, well, what I'm really concentrating on is verse 16. It says, let us therefore. It was a let us therefore. Come boldly. You know why he said come boldly? He said the invitation is for us to come boldly. It means before now we've been cowards. And the reason is very simple. Sin makes cowards of men. I'll say it again. Sin does what? Makes cowards of men. And God, through Jesus, removed the cowardice and said, now, come boldly. And that's why I said, one of the greatest things that was done for him when Jesus resurrected was the fact that he gave us access and authority. Ever say access. 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 The greatest gift you can ever give to any man is access. 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 Come into my life anyway. God, we're sharing this, God made himself vulnerable. God looked at us and said, in spite of who you are, come anyway. Come, come, come. All you who are laden and are heavy, all you labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Come, 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 come. He gave us authority. He gave us access. And I saw this from the book of Romans chapter 5. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, great scripture. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom also we have what? Access by faith into this grace. We have access by grace into this faith. Number two. The implication of resurrection. Number two. Resurrection of Jesus gave me what we call an imputed righteousness. Hallelujah. <laughs> no one today, I'm glad to announce to us, will ever by works, by labor, be righteous before God. 
That's what the scripture says. All our righteousness is like a filthy rag before him. What does it mean? All the effort that man can ever put into things will always end up being unrighteous. You know why? The reason is because there is only one path that God has given through which man will be made righteous. And it's only through that man's same Jesus who became righteousness of God. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd like us to read. I don't want to quote that. I want us to read. I want everybody to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is what it says. It says, For he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become, hallelujah, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin. For who? For us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah to Jesus. That is why today we were made righteous when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We became righteous immediately. And I'm glad to announce to us that this is the divine plan of God that his own people, will experience righteousness through the blood of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus. And we know what that means? Before God, I stand innocent. Before God, I'm declared righteous. Before God, I'm declared pure and clean before him. Is it because of me? No. Is it because of what I do? No. Because of the shed blood and because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, when, you know, Jesus took my place. When he went to the grave, we went together. So when he was resurrected on the third day, we were resurrecting with him. That's what the Bible said, we have been made to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We became righteousness of God. And this truth is not done by many. That's why a believer begins to live in condemnation every day. You cannot allow the enemy to put you in condemnation. We must not. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He's made me free. He's made me free. He's made me free. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we wake up in the morning and we did something wrong, let's not go back and sit down somewhere and be mourning our situation. Let's stand before God and say, Lord, I know I'm wrong. Forgive me my sins. Father, I come before you today to worship you. He's forgiven us. David saw this revelation. He said, as the east is far from the west, he's taking my iniquities away from me. As the east is far from the west, God does not hold us responsible anymore for our past. He holds us responsible for what we do today. And God has taken the place of our unrighteousness. Jesus has taken that place. And it's brought us righteousness. Hallelujah. Number four. Number three. <laughs> Through the resurrection of Jesus, now I know I am no more a bastard. <laughs> Hallelujah. But children of the most high God, I am no more a bastard. I'm no more a bastard. I'm no more an alien. I'm a child. Of the living God. First John chapter 4 verse 4. I'm going to read these scriptures to us. First John chapter 4 verse 4. First John 4 4 says. Ye are of God little children. And have overcome them. Because he who is in you. Is greater than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Why now? Because now I'm a child of God. I'm not my bastard. I don't belong to the devil anymore. The devil does not have a hold over my life anymore. The devil does not have a grip over my life anymore. I do not belong to him. I belong to the Lord. I belong to the Almighty God. The Bible says, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I love what the Bible says in the book of John. The Bible says in the book of John, when Jesus was talking, admonishing his disciples, he was telling them about being the shepherd, the good shepherd himself. And he understood by telling his people that, you, you need to understand who you are now. You are not much the children of the devil. You are, it's the enemy who comes in through the window. I came through the door. I'm the door of the ship. You're no more enemies. We're friends of God. Hallelujah. First John chapter 3 verse 2. What does it say? First John 3 2 says, 
I'll read from verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed that what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. So Jesus became God's sacrifice to make us his children. Number four tonight. The implication of, of the resurrection. Number four. That's why I'm going to close it tonight. I noticed that the death and the resurrection of Jesus was a proof of a future resurrection for everyone sitting down in this place this evening if we're born again. The resurrection of Jesus is what? It's a proof of the future resurrection that is coming. How did I know that? The scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. It's the first fruit. It's the firstborn from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. Let's read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. This is what it says in verse 20. It says, but now Christ is risen. I want everybody to listen to this. From the dead. And has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15 20. After that it was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that it was seen by James... Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm reading it. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one is in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Very, very serious scripture. The next verse. Then comes to the end. Then it, it delivers the kingdom of God to the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. What is that saying? The scripture is saying there that Jesus was the first fruit. Hallelujah. I know that many of us are familiar with first fruit in the farm. First fruit are the first, first set of produce that comes out of a farmland. When a farmer comes to the end of the harvest time, it brings the first fruit, the first one that are coming out, the very good ones, you know. And it, it brings it, or it harvests them. But you see, there is something I want us to observe about the first fruit. The first fruits and the remaining look exactly like, alike. They're not different from the other one. So Jesus became the first fruit from the dead. Meaning, if Jesus ever rose from the dead, all of us, even today, Anyone that we know that are believers, they have gone to be with the Lord. They have the capacity to rise on the last day. Amen. And that should be the joy of our heart. That indeed we do not die. Hallelujah. I love the way Paul the Apostle put it. He said they fell asleep. We do not die. We shall rise again. The Bible says it became the first fruit of the dead. And that's what the Lord wants us to know today. That Jesus has paid the ultimate price as a proof of a future redemption and resurrection that is coming to all the saints. May the Lord cause our understanding to open to his word and that Jesus' death and resurrection means everything to us as believers. The reason why we gather every Sunday is because of this reason. The reason why we gather every time to seek him is because of this reason. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and I'll be glad to read it. John chapter 10 this is what Jesus said. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus went further to speak to his disciples in chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd in verse 14. And I know my sheep, and I'm known by my home. 
In verse 17, Jesus said, Therefore my father loves me. <laughs> I love the way he ended this. Because I laid on my life. Hallelujah. That I may take it again. Some people say resurrection is a figment of imagination. No, it isn't. He said, I laid on my life that I may take it again. So it is not a wishful thinking. It is not a figment of imagination. It is not a thought of the hearts of men. I lay down that I may take it again. Let's look at verse 18 together. <laughs> no one takes it from me. But I lay down of myself. I have the power to lay down. And I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. As I close tonight, all the prophets saw that Jesus went to the tomb. But they did not see. Except in one passage of the scripture. Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Read verse 15. <laughs> Thank you Lord Jesus. Psalm 49. Verse 15. This is what it says. In verse 15, Jesus, this scripture says, But God <laughs> will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. I believe at the dawn of the third day, the Father stood on the throne, waiting for the Son to come. For he shall redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy power? For I have the power to lay down. And I have the power to take it again. No one takes my life away from me. Church, I want us to stand on this conviction tonight, on this day of resurrection. That Jesus brought an hand to every affliction. Jesus brought an hand to every harassment. That Jesus brought an hand to every darkness. Jesus brought an hand to every work of the enemy. The Bible says for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. And tonight, Jesus is risen. And tonight he wants to extend the power of resurrection to everyone in this place tonight. If we came here tonight bodied in our hearts, it's time to release the body to him. He said I have the power to lay down and I have the power to take it again. What a great opportunity we have to know him. What a great privilege we have to associate with him. He's a great God. He laid on his life that he may take it again. No wonder First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. If the prince of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But alas, it is hidden from them. Because the wisdom of God, because the wisdom of a man is foolishness to God. And the Lord has raised his own son that today everything that has been dead in our lives may experience the power of resurrection we're going to stand tonight to pray now we're going to pray some prophetic prayers tonight that's why I'm closing this time one of the things that I perceived while I was coming in here we're going to pray over it the cross was a symbol that signified the end of something and the beginning of another thing. The cross signified the end of man's labor, of man's infirmity. On the other side of the cross, when Jesus was brought down from the cross and he was laid in that grave, it was signifying something. As he was laid in the tomb, every curse placed a man was laid in the tomb. Jesus resurrected to release victory on everyone who will accept him. We will receive him. He brought acceptance from the Father. And tonight, I want us to pray tonight. Every generational problem, every generational curse, we pray this prayer. When we, it was very strong in my spirit. Why the Lord wants us to pray it again? I don't know why. But every generational curse, every generational problem, Tonight, 
we release the force of resurrection. We bring an hand to that affliction. We bring an hand to that oppression. Tonight, we decree freedom tonight. We decree freedom tonight. We release the power of resurrection. In the name of Jesus, whatever has been in the foundation before now, as Jesus rose from the dead, as he has said, therefore, we rise out of the crucible of this problem. We rise out of the crucible of this affliction. We proclaim tonight victory. We proclaim tonight freedom. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, tonight we just decree in this place freedom. 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 Yes, Father. We proclaim freedom tonight. We proclaim liberty tonight. Every generational problem. People move to location to location. The enemy keeps a tie. Every tie. Every demonic tie. We severe. Every foundational generational tie. We severe them. We command victory tonight. The victory that came as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We proclaim in the realm of the Spirit tonight. Yes, Father, tonight we bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to decree tonight by the power of resurrection. Whatever has been declared dead in our lives, we're going to declare life again. <laughs> I love scripture, Job chapter 14. The scripture says, the scripture tells us, I think from verse, from verse 14, from verse 7. The Bible says, you know, if a tree be cut down, shall it live again? The Bible says, but at the scent of water, it shall board again. It shall bring forth fruits. That's what God can do. Romans chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 17. The Bible says, Abraham believed God, knowing that he is the one who can give life to the dead. And call the things which are not as though they exist. Tonight we're going to decree everything that has remained dead. Everything that has made dormant, everything that has remained inconsequential. Tonight, concerning our destiny and life, we release the power of resurrection upon them tonight. In the name of Jesus, we command the life of God to come upon them. Come alive! Come alive! Come alive! Come alive! Every dead idea, every dead business, every dead program, we command the life of God to come upon them. Tonight we decree life. Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established. And the light will shine upon your path, says the scriptures. Yes, Father, tonight we decree life. We decree life. We decree life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus precious name we have prayed the scripture declares jesus is risen as he has said i want us to pray tonight lord every word you have spoken in my life the bible says you rose as you have said as you have said concerning my life let those words let those promises let those covenants come to manifestation in their due time in the name of Jesus and we begin to pray people of God let's begin to speak to the Lord that every word every promise every counsel every program of God will come to pass in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I want us to pray tonight and say, let them come to pass 
In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' precious name we're praying. Amen. In Jesus' precious name we're praying. Let's add this prayer to you. Because it occurred to me that the grave wanted to stop what he has said. The grave couldn't. I want us to pray. Every grave that intends, every symbol of the grave that intends to stop everything that God has said concerning my life in the name of Jesus, I command that your heart be destroyed over me. I'm imagining according to what the Lord has said, what he has said will come to pass. No grave can stop me. No power can stop me. No stone can stop me. No obstruction can stop me in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray. No obstruction. No power. No power. No stone. No obstruction can stop me. In the name of Jesus, the divine plan of God concerning our lives will be done. The divine purpose of God will be done. No power can stop us. In the name of Jesus, bring it to pass, Lord. I command every symbol of the grave, every symbol of obstruction, every symbol of stone, stand there, stand there, stand there, stand there, stand there. I command it to be broken tonight. Your heart is destroyed over my life. I'm free tonight. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you glory and honor tonight. We give you praise, our Father. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Sorry. Sorry. The last prayer tonight before we leave. I want us to look into our lives. Are there habits? Are there natures of the flesh that we have seen? It could be hunger, it could be lust, it could be anything that had stood against us from living victorious Christian life. Tonight we're going to pray. Every habit, everything that has rendered us useless, the Bible says in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according as his divine power has given to all that pertains to life and godliness. God wants us to live with the divine nature. Everything that is not of the nature of God. Tonight we submit them to the cross. We submit them at the cross. We submit them at the cross. Every nature of the flesh, every nature of old man, every nature of the old Adam, in the name of Jesus, I command deliverance tonight. I'm free from your effort. I'm free from your influence. I'm free from your control. In the name of Jesus, you have no control over me. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And so, Father, we want to thank you tonight. Jesus, you're no more in the grave. The secret of our power today as your people is the empty tomb. They could not find you because you're no more there. You're on the right hand of the Father in heaven. Tonight, we look up to you, our Father. We submit ourselves this night. We present our bodies to you as living sacrifices. Through your death, the glory was manifested for us to see. Paul said, I die daily. We present every area of our lives where we have struggled with you. Every wrong lifestyle, every habit that is not of God, they've had of captive for too long. They've, been under, they've controlled our lives. They've controlled our day and nights. Tonight, we release ourselves. We bring these habits and lifestyle to the cross. We submit them to the cross. They are nailed to the cross. From today, we live resurrected lifestyle. In the name of Jesus, the power of the flesh is broken. The power of sin is broken. The dominion of sin is gone. In the name of Jesus, hunger, where is your authority over us? Where is your control over our lives? Lost, where is your control over our lives? For we are free from your bondage. In the name of Jesus. Tonight we decree over every dead thing in our lives. We release the resurrection power of God. The life will flow into them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
So going to this week, let us reflect continually on what you've done for us. We live in the liberty of your word and your truth. Your word will gain triumph over every situation in our lives. Thank you, Father. For the grave could not stop what you have said. The stone could not stop what you have said. The soldiers could not stop what you have said. Lord, tonight, every word you have spoken to us, no grave will stop it. No stone will stop it. No soldier will stop it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you glory and honor. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed.